Mark and Sam they calmed me down and then within a within a few minutes then like I started to settle and they got me on the stretcher and I was in the I was in the ambulance and then in the hospital. No importance whatsoever. It was based on the game and the result when, when something like that happens, when one of your players and one of your teammates goes down like that. So, Welcome to Talking Saints, the official St. Patrick's Athletic Podcast. It's Jamie Moore here. We'll be chatting to Lee Desmond and Stephen O'Donnell in just a second after a scary night at Richmond Park, which thankfully had a happy ending on Friday. Name Melvin Lambert and Dara Burns will be here ahead of tomorrow night's clash at Finn Harps. Yeah, it's been good, man. I was excited to come back. And obviously, I got my two starts and our two goals. So I just got to keep working to stay in the team, keep pushing and keep scoring. Yeah, I'm absolutely delighted to have won July's player of the month. I think it's a great achievement for me personally. And a little goal myself and myself at the start of the season, just to see could I win like an award like that. So. Marvel to me on to have done that and at 19 it's a great achievement. Dermot Looney from History St. Pat's will reflect on the 70th anniversary of our first ever League of Ireland game. It was a 4-1 win for drums. Match was played on a Saturday, which is quite rare. Most matches were played on a Sunday back then. Um, but Pat's were, you know, uh, gave a creditable performance. We'll also hear from Brian Kerr and Johnny McDonnell on what's been a great season for the Saints so far. We'll tell you about the youth football tournament we had in partnership with Lewis at Richmond Park last week as well. Oh, and we'll speak exclusively to our newest signing. Jack, welcome to St. Pat's. How does it feel to be a Super Saint? Yeah, it's good to be here. Um, I've been over now for like a week, so I think to get it all done and sorted feels good. But let's get episode 10 of Talking Saints underway by checking in with the hero of last Friday night, Lee Desmond. Now, as you'll know, Lee was knocked unconscious after an accidental clash with our own goalkeeper, Vitislav Yaros, in the last minute of our 2-1 win against Waterford. Lee headed the ball out for a corner and unfortunately took a heavy blow and actually had a, a small fit and convulsions on the pitch and huge amount of concern for the 26-year-old. He received medical attention on the pitch for a number of minutes from our own medical staff in Sam Rice, Mark Neely and Dr. Matt Corcoran, as well as the Waterford medical staff and uh, other medical staff at the stadium as well. He was then taken by ambulance to hospital on a stretcher. Thankfully, Lee was back at the training ground on Monday. Battered and bruised, hadn't been released in the early hours of Saturday morning, but well on the road to recovery. I'm here with Lee Desmond, who is back at the training ground this week after what happened to him on Friday. Lee, it's great to see you. How are you? I'm all right. I know I don't look too well, but it's uh, it's probably not as bad as uh, everything looks. Just I got the all clear. Just have stitches here and and a swollen jaw, but it's not broken. Nothing wrong. Nothing um, on the brain scan either. No major damage. So I probably got away a bit lucky to be honest. But I'm all right now. Yeah. What do you remember about what happened to you on Friday and the aftermath? I remember most of it. I remember the like the throw in and the ball going back into the box and. I had to let it bounce. I know you're not supposed to let the ball bounce, but Sam Bowen was backing up, so I had to let it bounce, and or or else I would have kicked it off him, and I, I don't know where the ball would have went. So I I knew I had to head it out for a corner, and then it was lights out, and I sort of came back, like I wasn't fully awake, but like I had no speech, or my vision was gone as well, and that that's that was scary, but I wasn't fully aware of what was going on, and then like. Fair play to Sam Rice, his voice calmed me down and he said it'll come back, your your speech will come back in a second and your vision will come back and it did and and then fair play, like I, I was in the hospital then within a few minutes and the, uh, everything came back clear. 
Yeah, we were on the live stream and, you know, we cut the cameras three, four seconds in when we realized just how bad it was when, when you had the convulsions and stuff as well. But the medical staff were on so quick and you spoke about Sam's voice and stuff. Like, do you remember anything about those those seconds and, and just how, how scary it was for you, number one, but for, for everybody involved watching the fans as well? Yeah, like, I actually, I remember hearing the gaffer's voice as well and I think I sort of said to myself, if I can hear his voice, like, why is he on the pitch? This must be serious if... If Stephen's on the pitch, Mark and Sam, they calm me down, and then within a within a few minutes, then like I started to settle, and they got me on the stretcher, and I was in the I was in the ambulance, and then in the hospital. Where lucky enough, we're so close to St James's Hospital. I was in the hospital within a minute, I'd say then. And you've had time now to look back at it. I, I know you've you've watched the video as well. You've been back in today. You've spoken to the medical people. You've spoken to Stephen and Alan and the lads and stuff, and maybe got to share everyone else's experience of it, and then been able to watch the video yourself and and try, probably try to process it because it was quite a serious thing that happened. Like, yeah, like I think when it happens to you, like I'm I'm fine now. Like I've, I've sort of let it go, but coming in here and seeing everyone's reaction, like obviously everyone feared the worst and just trying to tell everyone I'm alright like there's nothing to worry about now it looks bad but that'll settle in the next week or so the outpouring of support for you and I know you're not on social media but the all the social media accounts were just flooded with people all of us were getting messages I know your phone was off at the time as well and your phone absolutely exploded as well like there were so many people concerned for you which I know a couple of days later you're, you're very thankful for yeah I probably got over 100 text messages to be honest and a lot of phone calls as well and people that I haven't spoken to in years like so that was nice and I felt a lot of support and yeah it's just feeling feeling really grateful at the minute. So with head coach Stephen O'Donnell here in Ballyuster ahead of Friday's game away to Finn Harps. Uh, Stephen firstly the game on Friday marred by what happened to Lee at the end thankfully he's okay and there was huge concern for him and the support from everybody and the medical staff and everyone to make sure he was okay it was lovely to see him what was a scary couple of hours for everybody. Yeah it was and it's turned out the best we could have hoped for as you see Leezer's in today um, just seeing the lads and that, and everything was clear and he was discharged in, in early Saturday morning so delighted with that we didn't talk about the game after in the dressing room or that it wasn't no one felt like the game was you know um, importance? No, no, no importance whatsoever it was based on the game and the result when, when something like that happens when one of your players and one of your teammates goes down like that so you know we, we in hindsight you're happy a few days later maybe to get the three points but on Friday and over the weekend I don't think anyone was really too bothered it was just all about Lee and, and making sure and hoping he, he was he was A1 and it's nice to see him back in today as you said just to see the lads and for everyone to see him as well and, and see that he's okay after all the whatsapps and phone calls and stuff yeah the boys were delighted to see him and I think Lee was happy to get in amongst them again today as well so you know when something like that happens an incident like that it's, it, it really hits home with what's important it's not about three points or, or football you know it's about just uh, individuals and, and our teammate and our player being being okay and thankfully he is so um, you know we're delighted with that and re really gave everyone a pep in their step when, when Lee walked in this morning and what it shows is again all the medical protocols and you know Sam Rice Mark Kennedy Dr Matt Corcoran the Waterford medical staff as well were on hand to help literally within seconds yeah huge you know the expertise of the, of the lads you've just mentioned is brilliant and you know to be that sort of calm and composed from them in, in that situation you know it just shows you that takes a huge amount of nerve and, and how gifted and, and how talented these people are you know you just see it in, in occasions like that um, you know when, when they can deal with with what is adversity and what is a scary scary instance they're so calm cool and collected and doing the right thing and it's huge to have people of that skill at your club 
the match itself, a victory, a goal for Maddie who had to go off injured, unfortunately, and then a second and two games for Naeem, who's hit the ground running since his return on loan. Yeah, Naeem, you know, the uh, the levels of maturity from when he when he came in the first half of the season to now have been huge. It's really helped him living away from away from home and going into a first team environment uh, every every day and every week. So he's come back, you know, a much more mature player, even though he's still only eighteen. So great for Naeem to get two goals in two games. And as you said, Maddie had flagged over. We'd got word that he was sort of unable to continue. Just be around uh, one minute before the goal. Luckily, he stayed on the pitch and finished it great. And that was his his last action so hopefully Maddie came out just in time without uh, getting it much worse and being too serious so you know we're obviously down a few bodies at the minute the last few weeks but as we said this morning it's the next man up and um, you know so far the players that have come in or who have stepped up or who had to play in different positions have done brilliantly. Yeah the injuries in Oxford we missed a couple Robbie Benson, John Mountney recently as well how are they and, and you know you've seen I suppose the, the quality of the group and some of the younger lads again stepping up as they have all season to, to fill those gaps and do great yeah well John obviously you know we knew it was pretty serious not like John to go down and it looked innocuous enough on that up and done dock so John's unfortunately just done his cruciate so you know it's a big blow obviously for us and for John himself personally um, doesn't deserve that to be honest the type of professional he is and the type of person he is uh, doesn't deserve a, a blow like that but he'll come back stronger than ever I've no issues in regards to his mentality and that if ever a man will bounce back and, and give his rehab uh, the best possible um, effort it'll be John and Robbie will be out for, for the foreseeable as well he's a bit of a, um, a quad issue so Robbie will be out for the foreseeable future too so obviously two big characters and a, a big losses in regards not only on the football side of it off it but They'll still have a huge impact with us in around the group. Um, uh, real mature, real good lads, and you know, again, two selfless individuals who, even though they'll be injured, will be will be wired into supporting the rest of the group. Um, so that's huge as well. And you know, people don't see the impact these type of boys have. You know, they only see obviously matches on a Friday, but they don't see what to do in around the, the training ground and in around the the group uh, to create that camaraderie and that unity which we have now and. If anything, it's probably got even stronger after the incident on Friday. Um, you know, when you, as I said, when the lads see one of their teammates down, down like that, like Lee was, you know, it does create that, you know, even, even tighter bond. And I think we've got that since Friday. So, you know, the la lads that aren't available will still have a huge part to play between now and the end of the season. On the other side, we were able to welcome Dara Burns back on Friday, and you were able to present him with Alan and uh, his. Player the month frame for July as well, so nice to have Daz back after a little absence. Yeah, great. Daz, Dara missed the previous uh, previous week or so, so he hadn't really trained at all. So you know he was thrown in after fifth after twenty minutes when Maddie went off without having a session under his belt for the previous week. Thought he done great. Again, young boy, the mentality to go in, not shirk the issue, and just try as he can. Obviously, his his touch and his little touch and his as um, sort of. He was feeling fatigued as the game went on, but he kept ploughing away and kept putting his shoulder to the wheel. And as you said, last month's player of the month thoroughly deserved has had a, has a massive in, impact for us. Only 18, I think, uh, for a good spell of the game on Friday night, we had three 18-year-olds on the pitch with, with Naeem. Um, Benji, I think Daz has just turned 19. Yes, yeah, so, I forgot his birthday last ago, week on yeah. the social media as well. Yeah, he turned 19 too. So we had two 18-year-olds and a, a newly turned 19-year-old on the pitch. So that's a third really of your outfield players so um, you know it's great having the young boys in and, and the way they apply themselves and we have a couple of mother, others on the, on the sort of conveyor belt that are training really well and obviously you saw Sam as a 15 year old not the circumstances you wanted him to come on in but 
it's still an unbelievable achievement and no mean feat by him to to play any any minutes at first team level in the in the Premier Division at 15 years of age. Yes, Sam became our youngest ever league player at 15 years, and I think it's 255 days. Just beat James Bankra, uh, who came on, of course, a couple of weeks previously as well. And lastly, Stephen, the challenges keep coming. Finn Harps away on Friday evening up in Bally Buffet. Yeah, always a tough place to go, and they've won their last two games, two away games, away to Sligo and uh, and away to, on Saturday to Longford, three 0 very convincing win. So. You know their confidence will be up. They went through a bit of a of a of a lean spell, but they've won their last two games. And as I said, they'll be sky high with confidence and looking forward to to welcome us up to Bally Buffet on Friday night. And we just have to go again, show the same uh, appetite and aptitude to work, and uh, we'll see where that takes us. Yeah, great stuff there and great to see Lee Desmond back at the training ground among his teammates and staff. And that's Stephen O'Donnell, the head coach as well. We're all so happy that Lee is going to be okay. And a big thanks again to everybody for their support and kind words about Lee over the weekend on our own social media and also the number of messages and emails that we got into the club and that Lee got directly was a huge support for him. This is Talking Saints and we have a podcast exclusive for you now. I've just been speaking to our newest signing. Jack, welcome to St. Pat's. How does it feel to be a Super Saint? Yeah, it's good to be here. Um, I've been over now for like a week, so I think to get it all done and sorted feels good. Yeah, talk us through how the move came about. Um, Obviously, there was a few injuries and stuff, and then obviously my season finished in May, and I've been back in England, obviously holding talks with other clubs there, but... I got a text saying that there was an opportunity for me to come over here and I felt it was one that I couldn't pass up on and it was a different experience for me and I'm looking forward to a new little chapter. Yeah, now after the text you would have spoken to Stephen and Alan on Zoom calls and then flown over, so what did they say to you to convince you to come to St Pat's? Just the fact that the club's on the up really and there's a process going on here and obviously you can see with the with the way the lads are in the league table second and they're pushing and there's some really good players here as well so that convinced me and the way that the gaffer and Alan spoke as well is a big thing for me so that convinced me to come over and then I got to see for myself that it's a very good standard and something I wanted to be involved in. So Stephen talk us through your newest recruit please. Yeah Jack Hickman we're delighted to get him on board obviously uh, we got the injury to John uh, up at Oriel Park, so it was a it was a position we need strengthened. Uh, Jack has great pedigree. Um, played a number of times for Bolton last season in League Two. Got promoted, so delighted to have him on board and looking forward to working with him. Uh, Showing good quality in training so far. We just need him to get up to speed. He hasn't played obviously in in, in quite a time, so we just needed need him to get up up to speed. He's been in since. Um, since Wednesday so uh, we're delighted to have him on board and as I said just we're going to work with him now over the near future and get him up to speed and ready to go What type of player is he and what the fans expect when they get to see him? Technically very good player from the right back position can join in gives good quality into the front men's feet and when he gets in the final third has a great delivery so um, you know technically a very good full back like a modern full back and um, you know, we're just delighted to have him on board and he should give us another dimension. And as you mentioned, an, an option that we needed in that position given the injury to John, so he'll add good competition and ability in that position. Yeah, we need a little bit of depth. Obviously, we have the we have the young boys as well who are who are showing up, showing up really well in training and we're delighted with them, but it's just even a simple case of numbers. We just need... Uh, we need another body in to give us depth in the defensive line, so Jack will do that, but not only will he give us a bit of depth, he'll give us good quality as well, so we're delighted to have him. Yeah, how have your first couple of days gone on the training pitch? You've got to meet the players and, and, you know, I suppose get straight at it. Yeah, they've been good. They've been good. Obviously, the weather's been um, been nice. It's treated me well. So, 
Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Like we've worked on obviously shape and stuff for the weekend, and then training's quite high intense as well, which is quite a, sometimes a little bit different to England as well. So I've enjoyed it. Yeah, supporters will be looking online to find out a bit more about you. You might just talk us through your your history in the UK, your career, and I suppose some of the teams you played for and the things you've done. Um, yeah, I've I started off at West Brom. Um, from like seven to like 16, 17, and then I went on to Coventry and was there, done my uh, apprenticeship there and signed my first professional contract there. Was there for a few years and then last year I was at Bolton, Wanderers. So I finished there in the summer, my contract was up, and then now I'm here. What type of player are you and what can the fans expect when they get to see? We'll have a small number of away fans at the game tomorrow and the same in Cork for the Cup and the first home game then in a few weeks. Uh, just firstly someone that gives my all, leave it all out there, um, I'm all action really, I like to get stuck in defensively but I like to get up and attack and put crosses in the box and, and try and make things happen from full back so hopefully you can um, expect a lot of assists and me affecting games from deeper. And last year are you excited to get going and, and you know hopefully get some minutes soon and, and you know see what the League of Ireland's all about? Yeah 100% that's why I've um, come over here to to do my bit and, and to help the team really because they're second so if I come and perform ultimately that helps them and helps myself as well so I'm just excited to get going and can't wait to get out there. You can look at pictures of Jack at the training ground today with Stephen and the manager Alan Matthews on our social media pages Twitter, Facebook and Instagram just search for at St Pat's FC. Now let's go back to the action. What a great win on Friday. 2-1 over Waterford to keep the Saints right in the race at the top. Of course, uh, nobody was really talking about the game uh, for the last few days, given the injury to Lee. But thankfully now that Lee is okay, we can reflect on what was a great win and another three points. And I was joined on LOI TV afterwards by men who've won two leagues with St. Pat's in 1990 and 1996. Brian Kerr was the manager and Johnny McDonnell was the captain. And they gave their take on the class of 2021. And lastly, and briefly, lads, if you can, you've won a couple of leagues here together, 90 and 1996. Do you see any similarities in this group and what they need to do over the last uh, series of games now? Ah, they wouldn't be half as good as us now, first. <laughs> 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 Look, I'm delighted, as I said before, the match, they're hanging in and they're there. And I think they're know, developing yeah, as a squad. Yeah. They're not used to winning. The last couple of seasons have been tough going. But you can see there's confidence developed and the style is good and they're playing good football and the people coming to the matches are delighted to see I, like, the style of football as I well. I think what Stephen is trying to do here is the right thing to do you know the players are buying into what he's trying to do so it takes and brilliant to see those young players coming through the walk that yourself and Jared and the other lads are doing to bring them through is, is paying off as marriage we, we always like seeing the young ones getting through the younger teams now Naeem Melvin Lambert scored the second goal at Richmond Park last Friday that followed the opener in our 4-1 victory at Dundalk the weekend before last the 18 year old Reading Loney has been in flying form since his return and has been telling me more there could be a chance here for Patsis McClelland with two bites at the cherry. Still not cleared away by Dundalk and Mountney with the shot. Saved by a baby, it should be put in and it is put in by Melvin Lambert. Now they're on the attack because Birmingham will cross it towards the back post and it's towards Naeem Melvin Lambert who has headed into the net to make it St. Pat's 2, Waterford nil on loan from Reading. He made his first start in his second spell with the club last week in Dundalk and scored the opener. We spoke early in the game about his ability in the air. Lovely cross by Ian Birmingham, Jer. And Naeem is there to knock it in to make it 2-0 to the Saints. What a perfect time, Jay. Just as I said when he needed to get a little bit more control on it. It's a great header. So here with Naeem Melvin Lambert to look ahead to Friday's game against Finn Harps. Naeem, firstly, uh, you've been back on loan for a few weeks now. You've started the last two and scored against uh, Dundalk and also against Waterford. So you must be happy with the last couple of weeks? Yeah, it's been good, man. I was excited to come back. And obviously I got my two starts and our two goals. So 
I just got to keep working to stay in the team, keep pushing and keep scoring. Yeah, I know in in your first spell, you know, it was your first time in senior football and you went back to the UK for a few weeks and you've decided to come back. So you might just talk us through, I suppose, the process of, of coming back and what you've enjoyed the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, coming back, I just felt in terms of my career and development, I felt coming back to Ireland was probably the best thing for me. And then, yeah, I've now come back and I've been, been in Jane. I say it's I've, obviously for me, it's better than the first ball because I'm playing now. But even just that experience of not playing and learning how to fight my way into the team, it's been good. And obviously me coming back, I'm now in the team, it's been, it's been good. Yeah, how did you find that experience of, you know, you would have been playing lots of underage football at Reading at 18s and 23s and stuff to have to learn the senior game, which I'm sure is the reason why you're here? Yeah, I think I say it's a bit more physical in the senior game and it's just they play, it's almost like they're playing for something. So it's more professional, they, they take less risks. And yeah, I'd say the intensity is maybe a bit faster. But yeah, it's mainly just they're playing for three points. So that's a good experience for me to learn. What do you remember about your two goals to the dark one? Close range strike and then a great header the other night? Yeah, the first one, um, to be fair, from the corner, I felt when it's, I think we won the second ball, I felt that maybe something can happen for me here. And then I've seen the keeper save it and it's come straight into my path. And yeah, and the second one, the header, um, the gaffer's always telling me to get front post, so I missed. There was a chance in the first half which I should have got front post, and I, I didn't get there. So this time I said I have to get there, and obviously Burma put a great cross in, and I was there to finish. Yeah, and you've come into a team as well that's doing really well, competing at the top end of the league too. So that must be an enjoyable challenge for you to know, I suppose, the importance of the goals and the importance of your performances. Yeah, definitely. I think the fact that the team's doing very well and I'm now part of it, I feel like that's a great achievement for me. So I just got to keep pushing and try and stay in the team the best way I can Are you enjoying being back in Dublin and being back at the house with the lads? Yeah definitely I find obviously the first spell I was here was lockdown so I couldn't really do much but now it's not lockdown I've been to a few places and I'm starting to really enjoy Dublin so yeah Dara Burns collected his Player of the Month award for July this week at training and thanks to Copy Graphics for another excellent floating frame montage Das who turned 19 last week returned to the side on Friday off the bench and took to WhatsApp voice notes to tell Talking Saints about his award, his recent form and hope for the rest of the season ahead of Friday's trip to Donegal. Yeah, I'm absolutely delighted that I won July's Player of the Month. I think it's a great achievement for me personally and a little goal myself and myself at the start of the season just to see could I win like an award like that. So I'm over the moon to have done that and at 19 it's a great achievement. I think that I played a lot of minutes in July and that's down to the gaffer for giving me the opportunity to play and give me the chances. So I'm 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 grateful for that and without them minutes and and them games I wouldn't have been able to win the award. But to be honest with you, like there were three other lads that were voting and I think it could have went to any any anyone like it was a really, really good month for us and some some very strong performances throughout the whole team, so I was just I was delighted just to be nominated with you to be honest. I didn't actually think I was gonna go on and win the award, but thank thankfully I did and I got people's votes and I'm 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 delighted with that. And I'm delighted that people gave me the votes and thought I deserved to win it. So that actually does mean a lot, like but throughout the whole squad, like like there's la- like the lads in the team make my job look easy. Obviously I'm a winger and like I'm in the final tour most of the time trying to get a defender. So when you've when you've strong talented players supporting you from behind it gives you that little bit more confidence and freedom just to so you get out of the defender 1v1 and try and get shots away and get crosses into the box like so 
So the lads have been brilliant for me and they they fill me with confidence and and um, just a delight to have have lads have lads like that in the team to be honest with you. But no, we, and we've had a good July like, but we want to just keep kicking on now and. It all it start it started there at the start of the month. We've had good wins against Dundalk, obviously winning four one and two one against Waterford there in Richmond. So we've had a good month, but we now we now we can sharpen up and even kick on that a little bit more now. We travel up to Finn Harps now on Friday night and up in Ballyboo Fame we're looking for three points. We obviously managed to win two 0 up there either on in the season. So we'll be looking for more of the same and we'll just keep looking after ourselves and just trying to keep the three points taken on the board every week and once we're doing that we'll be alright. Yeah, kick off up in Donegal at Finn Park is at 8 o'clock. The game is live on LOI TV. We have a 5% away allocation which has sold out online as well. So we will have some away fans. I can't wait to have away fans officially back in the ground to cheer the lads on on Friday. If you are listening, please ensure on the Finn Harps ticketing website that you did select away tickets because if you're an away fan that arrives to ground with a home ticket, unfortunately you won't be able to get in and we'll have all the build up behind the scenes clips and videos and photos on our social media pages across friday just search twitter facebook instagram or tiktok just search for st patrick's athletic and you'll be able to follow the lads behind the scene on their trip to donegal now it's time to take a look back on our first ever league of ireland game which was 70 years ago this week now, on this day, 70 years ago, St. Patrick's Athletic played their first ever League of Ireland match. It was Saturday, the 18th of August, 1951, against Drumcondra at Talca Park. To tell us more, I'm joined by Dermot Looney from History St. Pat's. Dermot, how are you? Hi, Jamie. How are you? Yeah, great. Thanks. Not too bad yourself? Very well. Yeah, it's a great day to, to commemorate uh, seven years of League of Ireland football for our club. Yeah, now before we talk about the first game against Drumcondra and the first season, which of course ended with a league win, you might tell me a little bit about the path of St. Pat's to get to the League of Ireland and the admission for the 1951-52 season was, I think, the fourth attempt at an application. Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, Pat's have been banging on the doors of the League of Ireland for a few years at this stage. But as people know, Pat's were, were a fairly new club in football at this stage, founded in 1929. Uh, started competitive uh, football in 1930, but at the really low level of a thing called the Intermediate League, playing in the Phoenix Park. So in, in basically 20 years, they climbed up all these divisions, the three divisions of the AOL, as well as that Intermediate League, and the two divisions of the Leinster Senior League, uh, to really become the preeminent force in non-league football in Ireland. Um, so they, they applied firstly for, for League of Ireland membership in, in that season, 1947-48. I've written about that in the programme a lot lately, it was an extraordinary season where they started beating League of Ireland's opposition in cup football. Uh, and they kept applying for the next few years. And it looked at one stage like the league would let them in. But the league, which was, you know, the management committee, which was made up of the other clubs in, in the League of Ireland at the time. And there were only 10 League of Ireland clubs at the time, only one division. They they had a big problem with, with allowing in Pats, um, first because of the ground situation. So Pats were playing in Richmond Park. But at this stage, Richmond Park was... Uh, a fairly basic ground. There was no major stand in it. Uh, the terracing around the ground was very, very steep and so on. So th that's the official reason that a lot of the other clubs had a problem. I think another problem they had was that they feared Pats might uh, become a, a dominant force. They had beaten, Pats had beaten every other Dublin club, for example, Shamrock Rovers, Bohemians, uh, Shelburne, Andrew and Condra in, in either the FAI Cup or the Leinster Senior Cup uh, at the time. So Pats were a significant force and I think they worried 
uh, a lot of the old guard. Remember, like they, they had been the likes of Shelburne and Bohemians uh, had come from the 1890s, had been senior clubs. They were around, you know, 40, 50, 60 years at this stage um, and were really significant clubs, the same as Shamrock Rovers. And Drumcondra, who were a really big team at the time uh, in League of Ireland football, and they were the first team that Pats came up against uh, on this day 70 years ago. You might tell me a little bit about kind of just the main involvement of, you know, whether it be supporters, volunteers, people in the club that were the driving forces behind the club eventually actually getting accepted for that 1951-52 season. Yeah, I think that the, the part of the Intercore community of the support, uh, the supportership of the club is, is huge and significant uh, in their League of Ireland membership because by this time, Pats were getting really good attendances at Leicester Senior League games. And like for us, you know, some of us go occasionally to watch a Leicester Senior League game nowadays. There might be a couple of hundred people dotted around uh, at it and sometimes they charge in admissions, sometimes they don't. In, the, in these times, Pats were getting, you know, regularly crowds maybe of 2,000 plus in that small Richmond Park, getting decent sized gates for those Leinster Senior League games. And then when it came to the cup games that Pats were playing in the late 40s and early 50s before they joined the league, uh, you were talking sometimes crowds of more than 20,000 uh, at venues like Milltown and Daly Mount Park. So Pats uh, were able to field a very good team of, of, uh, of semi-professional footballers uh, by paying them from the, the money that the ordinary people of, of Inchi Core and the supporters uh, were, were putting in. It cost about a shilling to get into most of the game. Sometimes it was nine pence, sometimes it was a shilling, and sometimes a little bit dearer. That's kind of not, even if you use a calculator for, for inflation, that's maybe something like €1.50 for nowadays. It's not big money, but of course, people in those days had very little disposable income. This was a very poor time for Ireland, just coming out of the war into the 1950s. Inchicore itself was, was su suffering and struggling. Uh, the CIE Works, which was the main employer at the time, uh, was beginning to uh, wind down its great works that, that, that it had done in the past. So it was a really tough time for the community. And I think Pat's entering the league gave, gave Inchicore a big boost. Uh, and, uh, and it was those supporters who got us there. And it was also the committee of the club, which interesting was made up of a, a lot of people who'd been involved right from the first team back in 1929. Uh, who put the money in, who put the work in to organise it uh, and eventually uh, got us accepted on the fourth attempt to join the league. And we were accepted along with another club called Evergreen United, who later became Cork Celtic, uh, who were based out of Turner's Cross. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Just 21 years after starting as a club, St. Pat's made it into the League of Ireland. And let's talk about that first ever League of Ireland match for St. Pat's 70 years ago. Today was against Drumcondra, a 4-1 defeat at Talca Park Durham. It's Saturday the 18th of August 1951, but the Super Saints put on a fine show according to one of the many newspaper archives about the game and the historic day. Yeah, and this match was, was not in the League of Ireland itself because in those days the, the league was structured differently. So remember, we didn't have two divisions. We only had one. And... Um, so the league itself, uh, where you played every team twice, didn't begin until November. Before that, they had something called the Shield, uh, which later got replaced by the League Cup. But, but the Shield wasn't a knockout competition either. It was each team played each other once. And before the Shield again came this particular tournament, which is called the Dublin City Cup. So there weren't really, really many pre-season friendlies. And this definitely wasn't a friendly. It was a competitive match. But the Dublin City Cup was the curtain opener, I suppose, to the season. In most of the, the previous years, it had been a kind of a league format too. Um, but this year, it was a knockout competition. So Pat played uh, in it as a League of Ireland club against Drumcondra, but were knocked out uh, in this game. It was a 4-1 win for Drums. The match was played on a Saturday, which is quite rare. Most matches were played on a Sunday back then. Um, but Pats were, you know, uh, gave a creditable performance. 
our, our goal came from the great Shea Gibbons after 32 minutes uh, with a header. Uh, and, uh, you know, Pats had played quite well in the game. We were a bit unlucky to go down on, on a 4-1 defeat. The good news is the next week, uh, Pats went back to Talca Park to take on drums in the Shield. And this time we won 2-1. Uh, and, you know, it, it took us a little while to settle into this season. But luckily enough, by the time the league came around in November, we were in fairly good nick. Uh, and as people might know, we went on to win that league at our first attempt, which is really remarkable and something that's not really seen in football, either in this country or elsewhere, for a non-league team to come up to the top tier and win it at their first attempt. Yeah, you can search at History St. Pat's on Twitter, and there's some great archive footage. Dermot has a thread up this morning with you know some of the, the bits and bobs from that year and, and from the game, and some fantastic pictures and newspaper articles as well. And the headlines and the reports and the, the reporters, Dermot, had uh, different views on, on that opening day for the Saints. But overall, it looked quite favourable coverage of a first ever game in the league for the club. Yeah, and I think the newspaper correspondents at the time and the fans and the neutral fans of football in, in Dublin would have been very excited at this new club uh, coming in because, you know, by the look of things, um, if you read about, about the correspondence of people like uh, WP Murphy and the Independent and Socorro and the Irish Press, these are the big correspondents at the time. Uh, things had got quite stale, uh, according to those correspondents in the league. And the League of Ireland had only eight clubs uh, up till a couple of years before this, uh, had gone up to ten. And as I said, the football got quite stale. The uh, competitiveness of the league's representative team, which was a big thing in those days, uh, ha had gone down. They'd, they'd suffered some, some bad uh, results as well. And the quality of, and standard of play wasn't brilliant. Now, the 50s was actually a very good period uh, for League of Ireland football, but it kind of started with this expansion of Pats. And then later in the, in the decade, you had likes Shamrock Rovers and Drumcondra and others really achieving with, with very decent players, some 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 uh, some good uh, results and a very good standard. Uh, so, yeah, the, the correspondents at the time were quite excited at Pats coming in. Pats had been, you know, a very successful non-league club um, and had in their in their 11 lots of uh, ex-League of Ireland players as well. So it wasn't as if we were coming from nowhere with a team of youngsters. There was a lot of established, experienced semi-professional footballers in this. Yeah, we'll chat more about some of the notable players in a second, but... Just on the actual league season itself, which ended with victory, Dermot, the, the season started in November. You spoke there about the Shield competition, which was effectively, as you said, a curtain raiser in which St. Patrick finished sixth and was probably a, a nice way to, you know, ease themselves into to proper league football as such. But the first real season from November didn't go badly, ending with a, a league title victory, the first of nine for the club so far. Absolutely. It's an astonishing thing to, to have happened. Um, they actually lost the first game again against Drumcondra in the league. Uh, that was played at Milltown, which was the, the home venue for Pats that season, Glenmore Park, the Shamrock Rovers home ground. So Pats kept Richmond Park. It wasn't as if we had abandoned the ground. Our B and C team played at Richmond this season. Uh, but the, the first team um, played in Milltown, beaten by drums in that first uh, League of Ireland game in November. But they went on to win, I think, 16 out of 24 uh, league games or 22 league games. They won by three points. So they had a, in those days, it was two points for a win. So it was a, a fairly comfortable win in the end. Jay Gibbons was the main man here. Uh, he scored 26 goals in those 22 games, which is just astonishing. Uh, four hat-tricks. Um, he'd only come to Pats in 1951, just before... Uh, the league has started. So this was an astonishing uh, result. There, there were massive crowds in some of these games as well. It brought great excitement and colour uh, to Inchy Core and the people of the community had, had so much to celebrate with this with this great team. And again, a number of the players went on, for example, to get honours as, as Irish internationals or as League of Ireland representative uh, 11 players as well. And the league win itself, um, 
again, like if you if you were to say in this day and age, a team was to come into the League of Ireland and win the league in their first year, it just probably wouldn't happen. So how did the Saints actually go about winning the league? You might talk a little bit about the business end and when the title was clinched, some of the, the scenes and, and the celebrations and the headlines around that time. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they won it by by virtue of, of the fact that they had these really exciting players. They were a very free-scoring team, scored lots of goals, but particularly Gibbons. Gibbons really led the Lions, although Gibbons scored 26 goals. I think the next top scorer in the league to him was some uh, uh, John Breen on six goals. So they had a, a talismanic centre-forward, which was so important uh, in football at the time. Um, they brought in some some extra players as the season went, went on, which was very important. So they built on some of their... Um, their non-league players, uh, the, the players that had in the Leinster Senior League, and built on that with, 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 with some very exciting talent. Some of the players had come up as well through, uh, through the ranks at Pats. So uh, the Pats had had a minor team. They then got rid of the minor team because they linked up with Bullfin United, the great schoolboy club uh, in the area, and many of the players came up through that. Uh, and so, yeah, the, the league win came, uh, I think it was in April of, of 52, and it, it, it's just an astonishing achievement. And again, big crowds in Milltown and those games. I, th- I think one of the matches had something like 20,000, 15,000 at it anyway. Um, big, big crowds. They, the gates aren't really, don't tend to be published. Um, so it's a bit hard to find that out. But massive excitement, a massive excitement around the country at this at this new team. And Pat's won many uh, followers around Ireland as well because people were following it on the radio and following it in the newspapers. But what's remarkable, Jamie, is the players were only paid three pounds a week now again using a kind of an inflation calculator but still only about 100 euro in, in nowadays money and um, rovers were paid uh, rovers players were paid twice as much uh, six pounds a week at the time so it was still a very limited operation when the players went away to away games for example in cork they would take three cars and uh, that was the way they got to, to to away games in those days and they would have a uh, poached egg and toast uh, on the way down in a place called the Galti in Care in County Tipperary. So um, it was still a limited setup. It was still a, a you know a, a moderately sized club. We weren't uh, full of full of cash and full of money, but the, the small bit of cash and money that the, the committee were able to raise uh, went in firstly to the team and then secondly into still improving the grounds at Richmond Park because they really wanted to get us back playing in Core. It took them a long time. That didn't actually happen for about eight or nine years. Well, Darren, we'd be happy to know some of the players this day and age still like to scramble eggs and beans on toast for their pre-match. Most of them would like a pasta and chicken, but some of them don't want a big, heavy meal. So uh, the eggs on toast back then, uh, the lads might have been onto something because it's still it's still quite common now. But they do travel in these uh, lovely 52-seater coaches, of course, not by car. But in this, this day, they travel on two 52-seater coaches because of the isolations. But in those days, was there just one sub or even any subs with the team? So you could actually fit a full team into three cars and not have seven people piled in? So no subs, uh, unfortunately, uh, we, you know, the, that didn't come in until, until a good bit later. In fact, I think Pats had the first ever sub in League of Ireland football, but it didn't come in, I think, until the 1970s, certainly the late 60s. Uh, what often happened is one reserve would, would travel uh, with, with the team, and when they played at home, they might bring two reserves. They might bring a reserve goalkeeper and reserve outfielder, and then if someone got injured in the warm-up, uh, they, they would replace them. But no subs, and very often you'll read match reports of games where... Um, players get injured. So in the in the second game we played, which I mentioned there, which was also against Drums, Timber Cummins, our centre half, got a bad injury, uh, had to go off the field uh, for a good few minutes in that game. They managed to patch him up, put a patch over his eye, and he played on in that game. Uh, but no substitutes. So you frequently have teams going down to ten and sometimes even nine men. 
uh, as well. So they were able to fit three in the car. That was or uh, the, all the players in three cars. That was the the advantage of it at the time. And of course, the fans too travelled, and and the fans particularly travelled on trains because Pats were this great railway club. Many of the the fans either worked in or had relatives in uh, the CIE works in Inchicore. They were able to avail of free travel uh, or of cheap travel, uh, and so they travelled to games in the likes of Sligo and Cork. Uh, on on trains and and brought great colour with them uh, as a new club in the league. One player I want to ask you more about is Harry Bowler, nicknamed the Legend, and you know his career with St Pat's. He then ended up moving into One Two Five Emmet Road, which is now the club offices, and you know there's so many great uh, pieces of memorabilia upstairs in the house as it's known still. And eventually he became the ground man at the club, I think. Yeah, Harry, the legend, as, as people know him, and many people listening to this will have known Harry really well, and I, I was lucky enough to meet him as well before he passed away in the early 2000s, but he became the heart and soul of St. Patrick's Athletic right from uh, the time he joined as a player and his great career as a player, and then moving into to, to the club offices and, and tending to the ground at the back, and, and Richmond Park was known as Harry's back garden. Um, and you know himself and his wife they they washed the kit they minded the grounds uh, they minded the managers who, who came in uh, and, and the players as well so players and managers officials of the club going back uh, even to, to the 2000s and to the 90s will will have really fond memories of, of the great Harry Bowling but he was a brilliant player he I think had played for for, for Bowes he may have played for Bolton United as well uh, before moving to Longford Town in, in the Leinster Senior League he played against Pats the previous season and scored against them um, uh, playing out on the wing joined Pats this season uh, and had a very decent goal scoring record really good attacking player and was part of that great team of the 50s but this was his debut uh, for St Pats this first game in the Dublin City Cup against Drums and the achievement 70 years later of what the club has done and you know from that first league victory in, in 1952 you know the phrase never relegated one of only two clubs and you know some of the great information that you sent me which I'm sure was on your Twitter at History St. Pat's. Of the 12 clubs who were in the league then, there's only seven still in existence. Only Shamrock Rovers and Dundalk have won more league titles since St. Pat's entered. 36 trophies in the League of Ireland era for the club as well. So it hasn't been a bad 70 years, but all started by, by that team and now being continued by uh, the current crop as well. Yeah, I think there's three major achievements here. So there's the achievement of getting to, to the League of Ireland, which is astonishing in itself. There's the achievement of winning the league uh, in this season. Uh, which is super. But then there's the, the achievement of staying in the business of football at the premier end of things for 70 years. So to stay as a League of Ireland club for that length of time, how many League of Ireland clubs, uh, there must be dozens, have, have, have gone by the wayside over the years. And many clubs with more money than us, for example. So the club has kept, kept alive. I mean, in the golden era here from 1951, probably till about 61, which is when they won the second FAI Cup. And then won nothing of significance until uh, 1990. Uh, so to keep the club alive during those difficult years of the 60s and 70s and 80s, when there was very small numbers of fans in attendance, when they didn't really have much of a chance of winning anything most years, uh, that's testament to, to the supporters, uh, to, the, to the officials, to the players, to the managers who kept it going. We nearly went out of business, as people know, in the 1990s as well, only for some, some great people to save us. Uh, and then to 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 plow on from there and to keep things going. And again, even as recently as the, the 2000s, when it looked like we might have to be forced to move to Tala, a lot of people worried about the future of the club then. But we have kept things going. And it's a credit to the people who were involved throughout the, those years on the pitch and off it. But what a remarkable achievement to, to keep it going for 70 years. And as we said, only ourselves and Bohemians have never been relegated 
in terms of the clubs that, that joined or that were part of the league in 1951-52. Bowles finished bottom several times, but they always got re-elected in the era before the, the Premier and First Division split. We never finished bottom. So I think we are, you know, one of the most successful teams in Irish football uh, for the last 70 years. Um, and, you know, it's it's not we're not the biggest club in terms of of the size of our support, in terms of the money we have. Um, but what an achievement that's been and what a great 70 years it is. And it's testament to, to all those great people who kept Pats going over the years. Yeah, and here's to 70 more and beyond. There's uh, loads more great stuff on Twitter, at History St. Pats. There's a lovely thread there this morning with different images and newspaper clippings as well. And Dermot, you have a full piece as well. You're a regular contributor to our match day programme, The Saint. And the next home game is against Longford Town in a couple of weeks' time. Of course, Finn Harps away on Friday, then the FAL Cup against Cork. So in a couple of Fridays' time on the St. Pat's FC website for free, to be a full uh, article you've written for The Saint about this 70th anniversary. That's right. And wouldn't it be great to get another league win to commemorate it? Sure, well, Dermot, thanks for meeting. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Jamie. Yeah, you can watch that full chat with Dermot Looney from History St. Pat's on our YouTube channel and follow Dermot on Twitter at History St. Pat's for some great content as always. Now, last week we hosted a two-day youth football tournament for local young people at Richmond Park in association with Lewis and I caught up with Ger O'Brien and Seamus Egan from Transdev afterwards. So here at a sunny Richmond Park with the St. Pat's Academy Director Ger O'Brien at our underage football tournament sponsored by Lewis. And Ger, great to see so many young people from each core in the area out playing on the famous Richmond Park pitch in the sunshine. Yeah, it is. And Jay, we've got uh, a lot of kids here from, from the Inchy core and the surrounding areas. You know, kids from Coilmore and, and Bluebell and Drimlet and stuff like that. And, you know, it's important that we're able to give back as, as a club to the community, to these kids. It's been a really difficult 18 months or so for, for everybody, but no more sold on these kids and, and to be able to offer these uh, facilities today and with, with our coaches and stuff like that is really good and as you said we, we've certainly got a day for it as well Yeah everyone having a great time lots of great skills on show lots of goals one being scored behind you big saves and everyone enjoying being on the pitch here the pitch has, has so much history and it's a great nick as well the lads having a great condition for the kids to be playing Yeah well as I said already these kids from the surrounding area they, they come and watch you know the first team play on a Friday night and some of them I was speaking to them beforehand haven't been so lucky yet to, to get in since uh, fans have returned and one or two are actually coming for their first game this Friday against Waterford so it's great to be able to offer that facility and you know what Dave is doing in the community to, to work with these uh, youth clubs and stuff like that is is really really good and we, we offer a, a different uh, perspective to these kids a different voice and a different sounding board that we're able to kind of keep them uh, work with with their with their youth groups and keep them all on the straight and narrow and offer the, as you said already these facilities which are fantastic and you know it's about these these kids these boys and girls coming in today having fun and that's what they're doing. And it's nice for as well the kids who you say might come to the game on Friday or come most weeks to Richmond to support the team that they actually get to, to play on the pitch that they see their heroes on every second Friday. Yeah, it is. And, you know, the pitch is in fantastic condition. And, you know, from listening to them all beforehand and from talking to the guys from from, from Lewis as well, you know, it's it's a great little facility for us. And, and to, to be able to use it is really good. And as a club, it's important that, that we that we offer this uh, facility that to, for all the kids in the in the local area. And lastly, we're very thankful to Lewis for their support for the event. Yeah, you know, listen, the Lewis has been a fantastic mode of transport for everyone. I'm sure we've all used that at some times. And, you know, these kids in the local area, you know, were able to, to can use it to get around as well. So, 
you know, to be able for, for them to be involved with this with a club like ourselves and, and for us to be involved with a business like Lewis is really good that we're all coming together to be able to offer these fantastic couple of days for the, for the young kids and, and that's what it's all about. So Seamus, welcome to Richmond Park. We've got a fantastic underage football tournament going on across yesterday and today. You might talk us through what the event is and why it's taking place. Well, this is a fantastic event uh, hosted by St. Patrick's Athletic to get together youth from the local areas and surrounding areas uh, so they can play a five-a-side tournament here. So it's uh, really fantastic to get the kids out at the end of the summer. Yeah, and they're all local kids as well, so nice to see them in their local stadium out on the pitch, which is in great condition, enjoying their football, even with the weather not too great today. Yeah, no, it's, well, it's fantastic. Richmond Park is a, is a beautiful stadium and it's part of the, the community and has been for, for over 90 years now and uh, we're delighted to be involved in this. Yeah. Why is Transdev, the operator maintainer of Lewis, getting involved in an event like this? Well, I think the very ethos of this event is actually to be pro-community, pro-connection, pro-health. Um, and it's in that vein that uh, you know, the Lewis goes through these areas. It's a symbiotic relationship with everything. And uh, as I said, we are privileged, we're honoured, in fact, to be allowed to, be to support this event. And lastly, we've seen over the last 18 months just how difficult it's been for young people not to be able to see their friends, to go to school, to play sports. So why do you feel young people being involved in events like this and, and Lewis partnering as well is so important? Well, we don't yet know the long-term implications of COVID. And I think it's absolutely critical that as we start to reopen society, that we start to obviously focus and support young people and getting them out of their houses, uh, getting them back to connect with each other, you know, to be part of society and to, feel, to actually feel community. Yeah, that was a great uh, couple of days at Richmond Park and our Saints summer camp, the second of the summer, has just concluded at the stadium as well. So uh, lots of uh, young Saints supporters enjoying football on the famous Richmond Park pitch over the last couple of weeks. Now, a reminder, our weekly St. Patrick's Athletic newsletter lands in your inbox at around noon every Friday. It's free and packed with loads of different info and stats and bits and bobs about the club. And we've got a €50 voucher for the Super Saints store to give away for someone who signs up to the newsletter before midnight on Thursday. So go to stpatsfc.com to our website and after about three or four seconds there'll be a pop-up which will actually prompt you to ask if you want to sign up to the newsletter. Sign up for free and then you'll be entered into a draw and we'll actually announce the winner in Friday's newsletter. Now that is it for another week on Talking Saints. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us again on our official podcast. Spread the word too. Let people know we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we're also on loads of the other podcast network really. Just search for Talking Saints and you'll find us. You can also watch the majority of our chats on our YouTube channel as well. And we will chat to you very soon. Bye-bye.